0: You know, moms are a special breed, but being a mom isn't always easy and fun. There was a mom that had five kids and was interviewed by the local TV station. It was a really big deal. All eyes were on her. She had her five kids with her. I mean, everybody was dressed in their best. And the interviewer asked the question. She said, if you could live life all over again, would you have five kids? And she thought a minute, and she said, yeah, I would, just not these five. Every mom wants their kids, come on, to get all A's, to hit the home run at just the right moment and win the game, but sometimes kids come home with an F or they change their grade, come on, and strike out rather than hit a home run. Sometimes the nature of kids, just like when you were young, is to cause some anxiety, to cause some frustration, to cause some pain, and I call these storms, and storms are not just unique to moms. How many know everybody has storms? Dads have storms, husbands have storms, wife have storms, kids have storms, nations have storms. Jesus told us something about the nature of life here on earth. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, I have told you all this, and he's speaking to his disciples and he's anticipating his crucifixion and he's anticipating for them the challenges they'll face. He said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Can you say in me? So Jesus said, I'm the source of peace. But here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Now, that's not in your precious promise box, but it's real. But take heart because, say it with me, I have overcome the world. So here's what Jesus said. This world, problems. Whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, love God, hate God, you're going to have struggles in life. There'll be financial pressures, there'll be challenges with your health, challenges with family, challenges with your emotional life. Jesus said, listen, you're going to have this stuff just because you're living on earth, but I've got some good news for you. I've overcome all those things. That is, I didn't let it define or destroy me. I've walked on top of them, and implicitly, you can too, because he said, I am the source of your peace. And this morning, my wife and I are going to share the pulpit. Uh, and she's going to... We're actually, we're both talking about a message called storms. And we're going to tell you not only that you will have storms, but we're going to share with you from the Bible and from real life that you can face the difficulties in your life with a confidence and faith in God. Because as we walk with Him, not only is He not going to throw us away, but we're going to find triumph in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So, Linnell.
1: Well, as many of you know... Five months ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I went, started in a storm that was the toughest storm I've ever been in. I had a lot of sleepless nights. I cried myself to sleep often. I prayed, woke up in the middle of the night praying, asking God, what do we do? How do we walk through this? What about my children? What about my health? I thought I was in my best physical health before I was diagnosed with cancer, And then all of a sudden, it gets robbed from me, not only from the cancer, but really from the treatment of the cancer. And it has been a storm. My children have been through a storm. But I want to read you a scripture, because what happens often when we go through a storm in life is we start to question, does God really love me? Because if God really loved me, then why did this happen? God should have, would have, could have done something, but he didn't. So something must be wrong with God. Romans 8.35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Stop there. Does it mean that he no longer loves me when I go through trouble? Or calamity or persecution or hunger or if I'm destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Often that is the question, does God not love me? God must not be a good God because if he was a good God, he wouldn't have allowed this in my life. I know that the enemy tried to lie to me. He tried to tell me that something must be wrong with me or something must be wrong with God because I've served God all of my life. I was raised in church by parents that were pastors. I mean, from the age of four I accepted Christ as my Savior. I walked that aisle. I was water baptized at a young age. I was spirit-filled. I've lived for God. I've been a missionary. I've been a pastor's wife. Why did something bad happen to me? And the enemy tried to lie to me and tried to put doubt in my mind, tried to make me think something must be wrong with my theology, something must be wrong with my relationship with God. But even worse than what he tried to do to me, my youngest daughter became angry at God. She, got, she became mad at God. How could God allow this to happen to her mom? She became fearful thinking that she was going to become not an orphan because she still had a daddy, but that she was going to lose her mama. And she really struggled. And as a mom, that was worse than my own physical struggle. I mean, you know, I'm, I wasn't afraid of dying because I know where I'm going to spend eternity But I was afraid of how it would shake my children's faith. And so we've been walking through this storm. But I want to tell you something. We have a choice to to believe the lies of the enemy, to allow him to plant those seeds of doubt in our life. God must not be a good God. God must not love me. God must be wanting to punish me. God must not have the power to stop evil and bad things from happening. We can choose to believe the lies, become bitter, become angry, or we can choose to grow in our faith and in our character and to trust God in the midst of a bad circumstance. Let me read you James 1, verse 2. James wrote, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Now just stop there for a moment. What's so joyful when you have bad things happen? Where, where is the joy when you're diagnosed with cancer or when your child runs away from home or maybe you have a child that has done the big stupid and has gotten hooked on drugs maybe you have a husband or a wife that's done the big stupid and has left home and divorced you maybe you've lost a loved one maybe and you're saying how can i consider that joy but let's keep reading verse three for you know that when your faith is tested our faith is tested when bad things happen It says your endurance, which is patience and perseverance, has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. It means you won't have any defects, and you'll be complete and mature, needing nothing. When we go through difficult times, we have a choice to make. We can grow in our faith with God. We can grow in our trust with God. We can become perfect, lacking nothing or we can give up and quit and turn our back on God. So how can we rejoice in trouble? The first thing I want to tell you is you've got to learn to trust God to turn our trouble into victory. Romans 8.37, this is a continuation of the first verse that I read. He said, Paul wrote, no, despite all these things, what was he talking about? Trouble, calamity, persecution. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So no matter what evil comes your way, no matter what bad circumstance comes your way, you can know that you can have victory through Christ who loves you. Nothing can separate you from Christ. You have to learn to trust God even when you don't understand what's going on. You have to learn to trust God even when it seems like there's no hope. But if you will trust God, My promise is that overwhelming victory will be yours. I remember back several years ago, if you remember in the news, they reported that there was a a shooting in an Amish schoolhouse. It was a one-room schoolhouse, and all these children, all different ages, most of them related by blood, brothers, cousins. And some crazed gunman came in and shot and killed five little children. And I remember watching on Fox News that a reporter asked one of the men in the community, and he says, will this community be able to survive this great tragedy? And this man from that community said two very profound things. He said, yes, they will survive because one, they know that God is still good. And two, they know that God is still in control. Can I tell you, That when tragedy comes your way, when you go through a storm in life, when you are up against hopeless circumstances, if you will hang on to those two things, God is still good. And God is still in control. You can weather any storm and come out victorious on the other side. In my shaking, in my storm, when the wind was blowing and when I was experiencing these fears and wondering at first for my life, wondering for my health, wondering for my future. I knew that God was still a good God. And I knew that God was still in control. And here leads to my second point. If you want to have victory and if you want to have joy even in the midst of your storm, number two, you need to cooperate with God in the process. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Now listen, you can cooperate with God in the midst of a bad situation. In the midst of of tragedy, you can cooperate with God, and he can turn your tragedy into something good. Let me tell you about some things that are happening right now in my life. I have just had the opportunity now, starting this week, to write a monthly editorial for our local Her Magazine. That was never something offered to me before this tragedy came in my life. I have a chance to reach thousands of people in the Texarkana area to be able to write. I get to write it from a pastor's wife's viewpoint, from a Christian perspective. I can write as much scripture as I want in it. They told me to put my own personality in it, and you know what that is. So, I'm believing that every month that God's going to give me something to say that's going to impact lives that I would never have touched if I hadn't walked through that. You know what that's called? It's called cooperating with God through a bad circumstance, it's called allowing myself to be called according to His purpose. He has opened a platform for me to reach people I would never have reached because of this. And I know that in the end, I'm going to be victorious. So I want to encourage you today. Bad things happen in this life. You know why? Because there's a real enemy out there who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He tried to kill my body. He tried to steal my health. He's tried to destroy my ministry. But guess what? I win, he loses. Amen. And can I tell you what? You can make that choice too. You can choose to win and to defeat the enemy. What he meant for evil, God can turn into something good. But we have a choice. We cooperate with him. We choose to trust him. We choose to see ourselves as going through this valley. You know, when Jesus was led into the wilderness, he was tempted and he was tested. But you know what happened? It says he came out of the wilderness filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit when you walk through these dark times in your life. Let me read you one last scripture. I'm looking for it. I don't see it. I guess I don't need to read. Oh, James 1.12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So this is what he promises. If we trust him, if we cooperate with him, he promises that we will be victorious, that we will receive a crown of life, that we will be blessed, that our faith will grow, And guess what? We can help others grow in their faith. So I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, if you will just take his hand, if you will just trust him, if you will just cooperate with him, he will turn this awful situation into something good. And you can look back in a month, in 10 years, and say, look what happened, but look what God's done and you will have a great testimony and you will help many others. I want to say God bless you and thank you.
0: Praise the Lord. God bless the preacher lady. Tell them your blog site for those that want to follow
1: you. Oh, my husband doesn't want to mention it. but. Another way that I have chosen to reach people for Christ is I have started a blog, and it's called w, it's at And if you want, I just write devotionals and fast, I in fact I posted today about the, the, the blog M- my, my, my 21-year-old the... daughter wrote. Anyways, come visit me at my blog site.:
0: <laughs> More than just a you know.com. go to Acts 27 Let's look at Paul. You can figure out, you read read her first page and you'll see how she named it that. Paul was in a real storm in life, Paul the Apostle. Let's go to Acts 27 as I want you to take a peek at a man, a man of God, a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a man who had revelations unlike any other person that's ever walked the face of the earth. Acts 23, I want you to see that this man was on a mission from God. Now, listen, to go to Rome. How many know God has a purpose, a plan? God's taking you somewhere, and in the middle of it, and you're out there, there's going to be some difficulties. Acts 23, 11, the following night, Paul is in Jerusalem in jail. The Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify about me in Rome. Now, if we could backtrack a number of months prior to that, God put in the the heart of Paul the Apostle to go to Rome. Rome was was the capital of the Roman Empire. It's where Caesar lived. It was the center of the world in their day. It was the place of greatest influence if Christianity could get in Rome. Prior to this time, Paul had started first to Jerusalem, migrated to Antioch, and then he began to circle the Mediterranean world, the area around Asia, kind of to the right of Italy, and he began to circle and plant churches. But then the Lord said, last time you're going to Rome, you're going to make a mark for me there. When God told him, I read the verse that I read you, he was, he was talking about, uh, uh, he, he, actually he started in Ephesus with his desire in his heart, it took him a couple months to get to Jerusalem, When he gets to Jerusalem, if I can say it, all hell broke loose against him. He was testifying to the Jewish people. He mentioned the word Gentile, and they tried to kill him. Now, here's what I want you to see. It's a man on a mission from God. It's a man that's doing something for God. People were attacking him. They tried to kill him. The mob literally formed around him. The Roman soldiers had to literally take him out. They're about to beat him to try to get the truth. And lo and behold, he begins to witness to them. Well, in the jail cell that night, he's going to appear before the local magistrates. He's going to talk about why he's there. But in the middle of the night of his dark day, when he's facing hardships, Jesus appears to him and said, I'm taking you to Rome. In the journey to Rome, he's going to have to take, I think, three different ships to get there. It's not like you and I going to Rome today. If you and I were going to go to Rome, we could probably make it in 24 hours. Right now, you could probably call American Airlines. The Eagle would take you to Dallas, Dallas to New York, New York to Rome. And you'd be there, and you could buy your stuff on the way if you wanted to. But in his day, it's months, months, months that are before him. And all along, his journey is spotted with hardship. Now, he told us this passage in Acts 14, 22. He said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But yet the good news is, though that we will face difficulties in life, the good news is you can face your trouble, listen now, you can face your storm with courage and with faith because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, your storm will not stop your purpose. Your storm will not stop your destiny as a believer. Your storm may slow you down. Your storm may take you someplace you don't want to go. It took she and I to the Coleman luncheon just a couple weeks ago. I'd never had an invitation to to, to pray and talk to 400 ladies. But guess what? When breast cancer comes in your world, new doors open up. You can either shut yourself down, you can get depressed, you can give up and quit, or you can go through the new doors as you pursue the purpose of God for your life. But what I want you to see, Paul was a man on a mission from God. And he was a man that faced hardships. In my early Christian experience, I was... Uh, my theology, basically, that I was taught that if you just live a godly life and if you have faith, you'll never have a problem. Now, let me tell you, that sounds great. I could preach for months to you about the protection of God, about Psalm 91, about the truth of God. But the problem is if you tell believers that you're never going to have a problem, they don't know how to deal with problems when they come because Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but you be of good cheer because I've overcome it all. So I'm telling you, friends, it's out there in the world, but greater is he that is in me, come on, than he that is in the world. So you can face your troubles, whatever they are, with the confidence that God is still in control of my life. Now let's go to Acts 27, the big storm. If you're taking notes, I jot this down. Bad things or storms happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Acts 27 now, verse 4. We're on the second ship to Rome. Putting out to sea, we encountered, say it with me, strong strong headwinds. It's like a thunderstorm and the wind's squalling 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. And it just kind of knocks you. Strong headwinds. It was difficult to keep the ship on course. Verse 14, a wind of typhoon strength burst across the island and blew us out to sea. I want you to think about this. This is a small wooden ship that they're on. It probably got about 276, they say, people on it. The sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. Now, think about this. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, I mean, you're on something that could take you eight or ten stories either direction. That's a huge ship. We were on a cruise one time, and it was rocking and rolling a little bit. And a guy told us, he said, hey, this is nothing. He said, I was on one in the Caribbean in the wake of a hurricane. And he said, the waves were so high, our ship would literally, as they rode the waves, the big screw or the propeller on the back of the ship would come out of the water. And I said, thank God I wasn't on that one. <laughs> but imagine being on a wooden ship in a hurricane. And the waves are doing this. And then finally some guys get an idea because water is coming in your ship and they're bailing water. They're taking buckets and it's a bucket brigade that they dip it in, they take it and they dump it out on the other side. Imagine somebody getting this large piece of rope, perhaps that's that wide, and two or three or four sailors go on the ship and they throw the rope over the front of it and they kind of wait for it to walk through the ship and then they get the two ends and they take a piece of rope and they do like that to hold the ship together. It is a picture of a storm in your life. With a velocity to destroy you, were it not for the goodness of God. Verse 18, the gale force winds continued to batter the ship. Now, this is at least a 14, a 15, 16 day journey that we're talking here. This storm, verse 18, gale force winds batter the ship and they throw the cargo overboard. They were a transport ship. It was the purpose to make money by transporting goods. They didn't care about money. How many know when your life is on the line, all you care about is living another day? Well, verse 20, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and stars until at last, what's it say? Say it again. Now, this is written by Luke, the physician, Paul's traveling companion. And when two men of God filled with the spirit, Luke and Paul, and if that's an inclusive phrase, when they tell you, I've lost all hope, how many know that strikes at the heart of the matter? It's easy to say, you know what, you just hang in there, baby, you're going to be okay. Just toughen it up. But I'm telling you, when not only your physical uh, uh, world has fallen apart, but your inner spiritual life has crumbled. See, you face things, maybe you've gone through the pain of a divorce, a loss of a loved one, or I know what it's like to lay in bed. Those first 10 days were the hardest when we didn't know what was going to happen, what doctor to go to, where was God? I remember many several nights in a row there waking in the middle of the night hearing a tear and looking for a hand to hold because you just don't know what tomorrow holds. Now, I praise the Lord that her prognosis is good, not just spiritually but, but medically. But what if the prognosis is bad and what if you battle it? For not just days and weeks and months, but what if you battle it for years and what if your battle becomes a decade or two decade long battle? I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you can lose all hope and you can just somehow begin to believe that God is not real. And if He's real, He certainly didn't care or this wouldn't be happening to me. Now, I mean, we're talking about bad things happening to good people. The question is why. It's a question we all want to know. Why do bad things happen? Paul now, he wrote, went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He was arguably one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the planet in a storm of a lifetime. My, 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 my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, I've got three kids, John's 24 and Bethany's 21 and, and uh, Rebecca's 13. My 13-year-old wrote on Linnell's blog a couple, a couple weeks ago. I want you to listen to her words. Mind you, she's 13, seventh grade. Hi, my name's Rebecca, and four months ago when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, my life turned upside down. I started imagining a life without a mom. And that's the moment when I felt abandoned. None of my friends understood the pain. My sister was off at college. had nobody to talk to. I was furious at God. He did this to my mom. My mom. The woman who went to other countries preaching about him. Why couldn't he give, have given it to a woman with no faith in him? He gave it to one of the greatest Christians I know. So I keep asking God, why? I can answer her question with a simple thing. I can answer half of her question. And if you will just listen to this, what I'm going to tell you, it will help you understand life. It will help you understand cemeteries, graveyards, violence, jails, pain, hurt. God good, Satan bad. Come on, say it with me. God good, Satan bad. Say it again. God good, Satan bad. If you want a little better English, God is good and Satan is bad. And if you want a little more, God is good all the time and Satan is bad. So what does that mean? Now, why do you say that, preacher? Is that just some nice Reader's Digest thing you got? No, I happen to read my Bible. If you look in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when man comes on the scene, he's got no problems at all. Listen, there's no mosquitoes, there's no ticks with Lyme disease, there's no snakes, uh, you, you know, there's, there's no IRS, there's no taxes, there's no getting fired, nobody's getting killed, nobody's getting raped, no children are getting shot. If you jump ahead to the book of Revelation, the last couple of chapters, there's a new heaven and new earth, we're into eternity now. And the Bible says of itself there'll be no more dying, no more sickness, no more pain for the former things have all passed away. So the Bible tells us what God's intention was and what it will be like one day when things are made right. And that is a place that's free from the heartache and pain of this life. But between Genesis chapter 3, come on, and the end of the book of Revelation, when Satan is in this earth and you and I are walking out the choice of Adam and Eve, when evil came into the world, when sin came into the world, we've got all this, you know what, to deal with all around us all the time. It is why you get old. It is why you lose your hair. Come on. It is why you begin to sag. It is why you get depressed. It is why you go to the cemetery. It is why somebody hurts you. It's why you want to pull a gun. It's why all these things go on in life because God good. Now, that part of the question is pretty easy for me to understand. But here's the part that I cannot always answer. Why didn't God stop it? Why did God allow it? Listen, if Satan is the one that's behind it, why did God not withhold his hand? Why did God not just do this, like my little daughter understood? Cancer, 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 cancer. You? Good person. Cancer, 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 cancer. Why didn't He do that? Now that's a question I cannot answer to you, but I can tell you this: When you are in the middle of this storm, you can choose faith. You can say, I believe God. You can say, I don't like it. Job said, his wife said, curse God and die. But Job said, foolish woman, so we accept the good and the bad. Come on. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And your choice to believe God in the middle of storms and adversity and crisis, not waiting for the answer, not figuring out, but simply saying, I don't like it, it's not fun, but I believe God. I tell you, my friend, that choice will help you make it to the other side. God is a good God. And the lesson is, don't quit even when it's hard and even if it lasts a long time because nobody can stop the purpose of God in your life but you, come on, if you let the devil win by believing the lie. Give the Lord a good hand. Now, let's keep going. We're still on the ship. We've been there 14 days. And let me tell you that God can turn bad things into good things if we don't lose faith and quit. Now, verse 22, finally. Everybody say finally. Finally, finally got Paul called the crew together. Mind you now, we've been on this boat for 14 days. We have vomited. That All that was over probably on day two. Now, we've not eaten in days. We're just barely surviving. He's yelling together. He says, take courage. None of you will lose your lives. Now, where did that come from? Even though the ship's going to go down, who cares? For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. My question is, where was he those first couple of weeks? If I'm writing the God script, the angel shows up as soon as the wind begins to blow. But in real life, there's a period of time. But the good news is he always shows up an angel to whom I belong stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to surely stand trial before Caesar. Isn't that the promise God made to him him in Jerusalem? Isn't that the promise that he knew in his heart when he was still in Ephesus, that God has given me a word? Now listen to me. This is why you take time to be with God every day. This is why you read your Bible. This is why you are around the people of God when the gifts of God are being stirred so you can hear the living word of God. So you can be in a place where God speaks to you. And God is speaking again. And notice what he says, verse 25. Take courage. Why? For, say it with me. I believe God. Underline that. Circle that. Put it in brackets. Highlight it. It's a choice. I believe God. It will be just as he said, because God's not a liar. Look at verse 26. We're going to be shipwrecked on an island. And verse 36, everyone was encouraged to eat all 276. If you can imagine this crowd of people on one wooden ship, who I bet it was a stinking place. <laughs> Verse 43. Then he ordered all who could swim. Now, okay, the next day they wake up, he tells them this, they get a bite to eat, then the ship runs into a sandbar. It's destroying itself. It's falling apart. And now look at what happened. Verse 43. He ordered all who could swim, jump overboard, go for the island. And the others held on to planks and debris from the broken ship. And I want you to say this with me. Everyone Everyone escaped escaped safely safely to shore. Everyone. So here's the last couple points here. Number one is God is faithful. Let me say it to you again. God is faithful. Your circumstances may not have changed, but they will change. God will be a faithful God to you because he's the same. And here's another point I want you to make. You may be in the storm for the people that are around you. That storm may not have that much to do with you. Now listen, if we step back, I would agree that this probably was a direct attack against Paul But on the other hand, if you read deeper in the narrative, you would know that all the sailors said, hey, we're getting past the sailing season. It's getting pretty late in the year. We probably should just winter here. So it's kind of like this. Uh, How many know if you're going duck hunting in January, you don't go in flip-flops or you'll get, let's say, frostbite? And if you got frostbite from flip-flops in January, you can't blame the devil. Come on, you're just, I mean, things just happen out in the world. It could have been a direct attack, but I'll tell you, friend, it doesn't matter. How many know when your ship's rocking and rolling, all you know is you need help? But here's the deal, 276 people would probably have died without Paul. When he got on that ship, he told them, I sense in my heart there's going to be destruction. But you know what they did? The centurion, the soldier over him, and everybody else listened to the captain and the experienced sailors. And if they'd listened to the man of God, they'd have all been saved. But maybe it was God let him go through that storm because there were 276 people, come on, that could have entered a Christless eternity had it not been for the witness of Paul in the storm. And I suggest to you, maybe you're in a storm because God wants to use you to build a platform to talk to people in words that they can hear because you didn't read it in a magazine. You lived it, and you found God in the middle of it. Give the Lord a good hand. The Bible is true, friend. Romans 8, 28. They'll put it on the screen. It says, and we know, everybody say we know, know. deep in our hearts that those who love God, that's us, and notice this phrase, All things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good, but they somehow work together to good for who? For those that are called according to His His purpose. purpose. And if the purpose of your life is live to please God, come on, to be a witness, to be a testimony, I'm telling you, friends, absolutely nothing can stop you when you're on track with God. Listen, I'm going to wind it up with, with uh, the second part of Rebecca's blog. Mind you, my 13-year-old, she said, I kept asking God, why? Why? And that's when I pushed everyone away. See, we all deal with our storms differently. When I called Bethany and she said, Does mom have cancer? She was already crying and I was crying because she was in at college. Rebecca, though... I'm going to hide this thing. I pushed everyone away. I didn't want to talk about it. Maybe if I didn't talk about it, maybe it would go away. But it never did. It was always there. I cannot count all the nights I've stayed up crying, yelling at God, asking Him why. Now, this is the point where as I try to help her, and in your life, help people get mad at the right person. Don't get mad at a loving God that so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed would not perish but have everlasting life. Don't get mad at Him. Get mad at Adam and Eve. Yeah, when you get to heaven, you know, but get mad at the devil, come on, who is the one that's behind this, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I asked God why, and He never really answered until the conference. Now, they had a conference for teenagers it was called Be the One. Well, at the Be the One conference, and I remember, now listen to this, we were negotiating when she would go. Now, I don't care if you're 13 or if you're 50, sometimes the idea of listening to a preacher for four hours on a Friday night and eight hours on a Saturday is not that appealing. <laughs> don't amen too loud, okay? And she said, Dad, it's not that I just don't want to go, but I mean, I can't even sit still in school for 30, 40 minutes, and you want me to go all day long. I said, Okay, pick one. She said, I'll go Friday night. She said, at the conference, when it changed. Now, isn't this interesting? When you draw close to God, how different it would have been if she just said, no, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I want to go to the ball game. But she draw close to God. And you know what? You can make a kid go, but you can't make them open their heart. You can make your spouse come to church, but you can't open their heart. You can make somebody do, but, but it's the heart. She said, I was at the conference. It changed. I finally had God's peace about my situation. I went to a person working the conference. I went to them for prayer. I reached out. I didn't just sit in my chair. She told me to read one chapter in the book of Psalms. Didn't even specify it. She said, I picked Psalm 56. And as soon as I started reading, I could hear God as clear as the person next to me. And here's the scripture. You, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You recorded each one in your book. She said, this is the verse when I knew that God had been there the whole time and he was not going to leave me and he was going to take care of my mom. I'm telling you, God can do that for a 13-year-old. He can do it for you. Praise the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. And Give Jesus one more big round of praise. We love him. Because he first loved us. He is worthy of all of our praise. We're going to bless all the ladies, all the moms. If you're here, if you're a mom, a grandma, I want you to come to the front. We've got a gift for you. If you're a mom, if you're a grandma, if you're a stepmom, if you're raising the neighborhood kids, come on. If you're the one that all the hoodlums go to, if you're pregnant, listen, if you have anything to do with kids, you come on up here and we're gonna we're gonna bless you. We've got a little video we're gonna show you from kids in our kids. Because of your sight